What are the myths about Christmas? Is it the day that Jesus was born? Is it whether he was born at all? Or is it the mass commercialization that we now associate with Christmas? That's what we're going to be talking about today as we review Theology on Tap's latest event, Christmas Mythbusters. All right, well, thank you for listening to uh, Theology on Air. We are here every Thursday at 5 o'clock at KPFT Studios in Houston, Texas. You can find us at kpft.org, or if you have a fancy digital radio, the HD2 channel of 90.1 FM. Uh, In case you don't know, KPFT is listener-supported commercial-free radio, so we get to talk about really interesting things. And today we are going to be reviewing Theology on Tap's latest venture into live theological conversation fueled in part uh, in this case, by tamales and mm-hmm. also craft beer. We had a lot of fun Tuesday night. So if you want to learn more about Theology on Tap, it's a group of maybe 200 people that get together to have really interesting conversations while we're eating good food and drinking good things, uh, usually somewhere in Montrose, so KPFT's neighborhood. And uh, so uh, you can you can learn more about Theology on Tap by going to uh, Facebook and just looking for Theology on Tap in Houston, and mm-hmm. it'll come right up. But uh, so what we want to do is every time we have one of those amazing events, we want to a couple of days later on the Thursday radio program uh, is look at that event and talk it through because, you know, there's always things that we just don't have time to talk about. There are always questions that come in that we can't quite get to. So uh, I am joined today by Kurt Bilinansky. Bilinowski. Bilinowski. Ah, I caught myself just. Okay, Bilinowski. And uh, of course, uh, Theology on Tap's um, Grand Poobah. Sarah Garment Stone. I accept. Okay. Lovely award. Very good. Very good. Well, so um, anyway, so it was a fun time. Let me just give out a, a little bit more information quickly. 713-526-8737. If you're out there listening in KPFT land and you have a question about Christmas, like uh, whether Christians should like celebrate Santa or something, or whether it's actually a really good thing to get, um, you know, a coal, uh, for example, in your stocking, <laughs> uh, you know, ask away. 713-526-8737. That's the number to call. We are on Facebook. We're on Facebook Live as well. So I'll be doing my best to check the comments there if you want to chime in there. Okay, well, let's jump in. Uh, what did y'all think Tuesday night? Fun time? Oh, I had a blast. This was my first time ever having anything to do with Theology on Tap. And it was just a fun, light, but not, you know, so light that we didn't actually talk about anything. Not saccharine. Yeah. Yes, yeah. yes. We actually, you know, got into some real topics. It yeah. was great. I should add this to the description of what we did on Tuesday night. It was one of the only times we've done this where our panel was actually half Christian, half non-Christian. So Kurt is here repping for the non-Christian team. Yes. And I'm here for Jesus. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Amen. And I'll, I'll try to be a Switzerland in the whole deal. So you don't feel like too outnumbered or anything like that. But, um, and, uh, yeah. So yeah, that, that's right. I meant to say that too. It was sort of half and half believers, non-believers. Um, and there was a lot of agreement. Which was interesting yeah. be- because a lot of the things that we both value deeply, you know, mm-hmm. are, are, are shared mm-hmm. across sort of believing lines. So, um, yeah. So maybe give Kurt some big picture thoughts on how you think the night went or some some of the important ground we covered, maybe points of agreement or disagreement. And maybe, Sarah, you do the same. And yeah. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Um, I loved that mostly we just agreed the whole night, which, you know, for a quote unquote, I'm air quoting debate format isn't necessarily the most juicy kind of stuff, but ultimately, you know, it, this isn't the kind of subject that we're going to have massive di- disagreements about. Mm-hmm. Like uh, the first question, one of the first questions that we asked was, can atheists celebrate Christmas? Which we all resoundingly said, uh, yeah. <laughs> they already do. We can't stop oh, them. Oh, exactly. <laughs> you can't stop us now. We've already infiltrated. And... Uh, you know, things like that. And um, the we all agreed on the heavy commercialization of Christmas that ultimately it's not inherently bad that we buy nice gifts for people that we love or any of that kind of stuff. But if you do it too much with the wrong spirit, yeah, that's probably not too terribly healthy. And um, yeah, it was a pretty chill atmosphere, especially because uh, I personally, uh, uh, a little backstory on me, I work at a Christian theater company, 80 Players, shout out. Mm -hmm. And I technically describe myself as an atheist, though I would say that I also describe myself as a pantheist. We're going to dig into that later. Oh, yeah. Pantheist (laughs) and naturalist. And therefore, I never really get into like deep, you know, like I need to prove the Christians wrong kind of mentality. And one of our other panelists, uh, Daniel. 
Daniel Strain. Strain, yeah. Mm -hmm. Daniel Strain. He is a humanist. He's a spiritualist. And he runs, I believe, the Spiritual Spiritual Naturalist. Naturalist. I got it right this time. Yeah. And he explicitly doesn't call himself an atheist because he doesn't want to be labeled with the, you know, Richard Dawkins crowd Mm -hmm. and all those folks. So he is very much in the mindset of, I don't want to criticize anyone else's beliefs because who am I to do that? Yeah. And so it was a very just like, hey, we're all friends. We're all human Mm -hmm. beings here. Let us talk about a wonderful time of the year, Christmas. (laughs) And apparently we take on an accent when that happens. Exactly. Uh, Preferably a Charles uh, Dickens style. Um, One of of us has to have a Cockney English accent, though. I I demand that. Um, (laughs) But yeah, in fact, I I kept waiting for the atheist to be angrier and I was very disappointed. Um, (laughs) You know, I've I've come to expect it, uh, you know. Anyway, but what do you think, Sarah? Yeah, I mean, it's funny because all three atheists are... Either they've never been in or they are beyond the sort of like militaristic, I just discovered atheism and not everyone oh, has to I know them. Oh, I was totally in that when yeah. I was younger. Kate oh, stage. man. Mm-hmm. It's, I mean, most atheists I know will say that they went through that phase and then they kind of came around to just being nice. <laughs> so we had very nice atheists there. And um, I thought it was interesting. One of the first questions was, is there really a war on Christmas? And we all kind of agreed, no, there's not. And in fact, it might even be Christians that are saying that there mm-hmm. is from the non-Christians, non-Christian side war. And there's not. Everyone's happy to say Merry Christmas. Everyone's happy to enjoy each other. I'm not saying there aren't cranky people out there, grinchy people, but everyone yeah. that night seemed to... See, I see that as a symptom of the uh, kind of culture wars aspect, which unfortunately religion has been kind of thrown into it with you know your Fox News and MSNBC kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And oftentimes, if you try to pit Christmas against, you know, as you know, something that's being attacked... It creates views, and mm-hmm. it's just a lot easier to talk about. Yeah, I think I think that basically corporations, you know, tell their employees, you know, just don't say the word because you know we don't want to offend someone, we don't want to offend an Orthodox Jewish person or something, and or or an unbeliever or somebody who's just looking to sue us. And you know, I think corporations in many ways like live out of fear of being sued. But I will say that I think what Christians do feel is that the you know the reason for the season. Um, does kind of get put on the back burner. And now we have a, a generic Christmas season that what some Christians would want to say is, yeah, but it wouldn't exist at all if not for, you know, the, the actual event that we are celebrating or the actual church festival that we're celebrating. So did Hanukkah come first? Um, let's see. Hanukkah is, uh, Purim, right? No. For- it's oh. the whole Maccabee thing. Oh, okay. Oil. Oh, yeah. that's right. That's right. So that so that that comes from the Apocrypha then. No, or is it? No, it's a hundred years or so after Jesus then. I don't know the timing. I'm embarrassed to say. Nor do okay. I. I'm an atheist, so I'm not embarrassed. Well, there there was there were certain rebellions against Rome. I think. After, well, anyway, um, it, it's it's around the same time. But mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't. But but I would say this: that I think one thing we agreed on the celebration of Christ- Christmas certainly comes centuries after. You know, that, that was sort of something that came later, right? Like. Early people in the ancient world didn't tend to celebrate birthdays. Mm-hmm. Uh, they didn't have maybe records of it. They didn't know when it would be. And and the church had to establish a date at some point. I mean, at some point, you know, the church was like, well, one of our core tenets is that you know, uh, Christmas is about God becoming flesh. Well, on what day was he born? That... He didn't just pop into thin air, right? <laughs> no, no. However, I will. I do. I do. Let me say this real fast uh, as kind of a follow up because one of the questions was about the virgin birth, mm-hmm. and um. My understanding, and I, let me let me think how I can say this without us being becoming an, an explicit podcast or getting in trouble <laughs> with the FCC. But my understanding of Roman Catholic theology of the virgin birth is that Mary was a virgin before, during, and after her conception and deliverance of of the baby. I think it was well said. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so there is kind of a popping into thin air, like or at least moving from this place to that place without going through that place. <laughs> <laughs> can anyway, you give us a list of words we can and can't say. On the um, no. <laughs> actually, I've listened to a show called Her Sex, Her Health Friday at five on KPFT, and I think I could safely say every word I just didn't say. Mm-hmm. <laughs> let's say let's say that Jesus goes from womb to non womb, and Mary remains a virgin. Therefore, mm-hmm. Jesus does oh. not go through about a six but inch that's a canal. Catholic. Oh right, all right, okay. But that's a Catholic thing, right? That's that is a Catholic thing. Okay. Just Although Luther held to it, oddly enough. So yeah. Uh, anyway. Okay. But, well. But but w- anyway, moving on. Um, it was a it was you know it, it it really was a fun night. But um, I know there are, there are always questions we don't get to. Yeah. Um. So, Mar- Sarah, why don't you share one that maybe we didn't quite get to? 
and maybe some other things from the from the night will pop up too. Yeah, for those of you that have never been to Theology on Tap, they text people text in questions, and when I leave, I always have just a sea, a myriad of un read text because they come in so fast. I had 58 unread texts. So I have called those together to make a list for us to pull from tonight. But um, I mean, uh, let's just start here. We did some talking about consumerism and the secularization of Christmas, which I will say this when you were talking just now about Christians being upset that the world has taken Jesus out of Christmas. I guess for me, it doesn't, it doesn't bother me so much that people who don't believe in God would celebrate Christmas without God mm. because it just is logical. Like if I didn't believe in Allah, I'm not going to celebrate Ramadan if I don't believe it. You know, like so it doesn't it doesn't offend me. It would it would offend me is if someone was a believer and then they didn't think it was important. Yeah, but yeah. I'm digress. Right. How about this one? Um, somebody asked the question: As a Christian, does it bother you when non Christians celebrate Christmas in a way that doesn't include Christ? And I think I just gave my answer to that one ahead of time. So I'll ask it again: As a Christian. Does it bother you when non-Christians celebrate Christmas in a way that doesn't include Christ? And my answer would be no. Yeah. Because there's and and I will say this too, and then I'm curious, Evan, what you think is the other Christian in the room, Switzerland. Um, it doesn't bother me that they don't include Christ, and yet I think that they sometimes are celebrating things that in accidentally do. Like they might not say like things that Kurt and other atheists that I know do. I think bring honor and glory to God, things like celebrating family, loving mm -hmm. your family, being kind, being generous, being a good gift giver, being thoughtful. Um, all of those things are tenets of, I mean, they're things that Jesus taught. And whether you do them because of that or not, they're still good being done. There's still mm -hmm. grace being given. Well, yeah. I think that's the important thing of Christianity in general and all religions going from that. If it was just a bunch of text that says these are the good things to do and these are the bad things to do, well, it wouldn't really matter. It has to actually you know, come into the tangible world. And in that tangible world, there are people with separate beliefs. And yeah, they all have families. They all can have the capacity to love and find friendship and giving. Um, forgiveness, all of these aspects of Christianity that um, you know, ultimately – uh, it's one thing that I've had an issue with in Christianity, the idea that, you know, Jesus is the only way to right. quote unquote salvation. But ultimately, most people can find some kind of corollary, you know, within their lives to aspects that are taught in Christianity, like, you know, family, friends, you know, all that kind of stuff. So I would say a, a distinction of what you just said is I think that atheists can be Christ-like. But when it comes to salvation, I'm on the team of it's only Jesus. Mm -hmm. That can take us there. I mean, that's obviously where we would disagree or else we wouldn't. Which legit question. Um, I don't, we don't have to get too deep into it, but what is salvation? Oh, being saved. Mm. Well, that was easy. <laughs> well, I guess then. <laughs> but what from is, what? Oh. What is being? Well, yeah, well, yeah. What am I being saved from? What is being saved inherently? Do we actually really want to get into this right now? Because I'm game. Well, um, <laughs> well, a a actually, um, you know, why did why did God become flesh? Right. Yeah. For the, for the salvation of the world. So, yeah. But no, I would. Let's let's jump in a little bit. Well, and one of the things I was going to say about the evening in general that I thought was interesting, and this will get to your question, is uh, I think that a lot of non-Christians and Christians make the mistake of thinking that Christmas is about baby Jesus. And we joke about, oh, baby Jesus, he was so cute. Um, and it is about his birthday, but it's really just a much larger thing. It's this idea of the fancy word for his incarnation. Evan and I were talking about this earlier. I know he's going to talk about it a little later, but that the creator of the world would come down to earth and... Um, put on flesh, as they say. That's what incarnation means, right? Become human, become embodied, carnal, carnation. Mm. Carne um, asada. Mm. Oh, okay. mm, now I'm hungry. Uh, exactly. Yeah. Um, if you believe that God is real, and I do, and if you believe that humans are messed up, broken, and in need of healing, transformation, right? Yeah, I'll agree on that one. Okay. Uh, then that's the He's halfway home. Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, we've got sorry, him. Yeah, By yeah. the end of the podcast, he's going to be right, a Christian. Right. Hey, hey, I've been a, a table lead <laughs> at Alpha Groups and whatnot. So, I mean, like, there you go. come on. Major there points. And it is mm -hmm. a point system. And, uh, I'm what, kidding. It's not a point system. And, and Nikki, Nikki Gumbel hasn't worked his magic on you? No, no. It's the smile. Pure Everything else he says, oh, it's great. I hear you. That smile. It, uh, it's, it's, anyway, I'm not going to say that. But <laughs> to answer your question... Yes. I think what we're being saved from, well, you said what's being saved and what are we being saved mm -hmm. from? What's being saved is you, your truest self, your soul, your curtness. Mm -hmm. Kurt is being saved, mm -hmm. I hope, and or Sarah or Evan. Um, and I think that we're being saved from 
all of the messiness and brokenness that comes when we rebel against God and try to be our own gods. So the word that we use in Christianity is sin, but you could use any word. It's a sickness. It's a disease. It's um, all of those things. I mean, feel yeah. free to weigh in here. But Well, it's the uh, the things that happen as a natural result of the actions that you have. You yeah. Know, yeah. Not necessarily everything comes from your own actions. There is a larger, you know, greater power out mm-hmm. there that controls things, you know, that are outside of your own control. But ultimately, if you punch somebody in the face or if you call them a bad word or if you steal from somebody, generally speaking, something bad's going to happen, even if it doesn't always happen, which I think is the beautiful thing about faith as a whole concept in all, you know, most of religion is people, if they have faith, can be presented with something in front of them that may go against their faith, like I've been a good godly person and all these terrible things are happening to me and I don't feel like I've been saved. What's going wrong? If you have a strong faith in it, then you can you can trust. Oh, don't worry. It's all going to be okay. I have something out there that I know is true, even if right now it doesn't seem like it's true. Hmm. And uh, in terms of things like, you know, sin or, you know, just general bad things happening, people can do bad things, quote unquote, all the time and not get an actual, you know, come up about it. Yeah. This is why I could never believe in karma, because bad people get good things all the time. And mm-hmm. quote, good people, what we think of as good people, mm-hmm. get crappy things all the time. It's mm-hmm. The world is not fair. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah, and karma, and, and, and that's why, like, if you're in, the, like, the lower caste or something in a karma environment, you're not allowed to be helped. You, you have to suffer. So there's mm-hmm. 250 million people right now in, in a continent, uh, in the continent of Asia who basically have to suffer to, you know, to work their way up into the, into the next caste in the next life. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you're not allowed to help them. That's why when Christians go in and say, no, actually, you're a child of God and you're made in the image of God and you have great dignity, we're going to serve you and help you. Uh, Mother Teresa, I know, is, is controversial, but... um. I mean, she actually is. I know. Um, oh, yeah. yeah. Okay. I didn't know if some people don't know that, but uh, but other many other Christians, you know, they we looked past the, the caste system, and that's how. But I would say regarding salvation, there 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 are like two like there can be two sort of extremes where there will be people who like immediatize it, and then there are people who who it's only like what happens when you die kind of thing. And we would mm-hmm. say it's both, right? Mm-hmm. Like yeah. Like like so, Rob Bell, you know, writes a book where you know he says absolutely nothing new, but it makes him a gazillion dollars, and he goes <laughs> on Oprah show to talk about it called Love Wins, and oh hell doesn't exist anymore oh okay you know so he's basically taking the approach of you know there is no hell like there is no final judgment like we need to we need to make the most of our lives now so to speak or there will be other chances you know when you die um you know because he's a universalist okay fine and then there are those who where it's like you know what is going to happen to you when you die tonight which is a perfectly valid question uh but it only focuses on your well only (laughs) your eternity but it, it only but so I do think that in general, you put those two things together and what you see is that Christians uh, believe that we ought to live loving one another now, seeking holiness now, uh, and and living for eternity as well. Well, so. and that I'll just add to that mm-hmm. in those two pieces you talked about, we live as if there's such a thing as hope. Mm-hmm. And and we and that hope and I've been talking to so many people this time of year that are just so sad, so depressed, mm-hmm. so lonely and um and for and I felt that I felt that after a breakup or various times in your life when you just everything is crushing your soul. Those dark nights of the soul. Exactly. And um, and I can still feel this kind of undercurrent of peace and hope that comes now, not just like, well, one day heaven, like, you know, soldier on till we get to heaven. No, like right now I can feel hopefulness that God is going to make things better, that he loves me now, that he has purpose and meaning for my life now, all those kind of things. Not to preach at you. I know you've heard all this before. No, but. absolutely. I love it because um, controversial thing for an atheist, I do believe in an afterlife. And I, I, I believe in a version of heaven and hell. Okay. Um, okay. It's, Say more words. Okay. Uh, you'll probably just be like, oh, that doesn't count. But uh, for me, uh, the afterlife is uh, we're alive right now. And then, you know, you die. And then life continues. For literally everybody else, that is literally your afterlife, and I don't mean that to be facetious. Like is this your pantheism or... coming through? <laughs> it, it kind of is okay. a little pantheism bit. meaning God in everything, uh, or God is everything. Because uh, I think panentheism be... is God in everything, but it, it's a little bit of both. Okay. I don't get too deep into that. I, okay. I only uh, add the pantheism part of my description because I realize just calling myself an atheist is a very kind of Western centric idea of God. Many other like legit religions in the East have a view of the pantheist God. And to say, I don't believe in God means, oh, wait, their concept of God, yes, that word they use for God 
I do technically believe that exists. So, yeah, I would label myself as the concept of God being basically that higher power that is above all of us that controls us, a.k.a. the universe or earth or money, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Mm. But in, uh, I, I'm not trying to be facetious with the whole like, you know, there's life after your afterlife in that when people only focus on themselves here and now, ultimately they're going to well, they can potentially lose track of that infinite thing that is still going to keep on going. The sun will keep rising. And even if you think that you don't have any meaning right now, if you make something, do something, you know, live everything and you think it just is worthless, well, you may actually ascend to heaven or be remembered or have the ripples that you have started in your lifetime affect people in the most beautiful of ways, which I think even if you looked at Jesus, even from a secular point of view, assuming that, you know, he was just some guy that said a bunch of, you know, words, he was just a really good teacher, he ascended to probably the highest form of heaven in that his words, his stuff impacts us today in visceral and powerful ways. Mm -hmm. Not all for good, necessarily, you know, the Crusades and, you know, bad Christians and whatnot. But generally you know, speaking, two yeah. embarrassing moments. Yeah. Uh, oops, oopsies. But um, <laughs> yeah. generally speaking, there were, you know, there are lots of great positive things for day to day people living that ultimately Jesus's afterlife do you is mean, heaven. Do you mean a kind of, do you mean a legacy? Yeah, mm. effectively, yes. Okay. Mm. See, and, and that, that kind of worries me a little bit. Mm. Okay. Be well, well, not even not even legacy yeah. in the terms of like you know, is your name remembered or yeah. is it you know? It's um, like if uh, taking out anything with identity mm -hmm. that is related to the things you do, it's literally so not like a plaque that says yeah, no. If plaques, not for no Kurt Bilinowski, did I get it right that time? Finally. Yes, yeah. Well done. Uh, <laughs> if not for Kurt Bilinowski, this chair in this classroom would not exist. Yeah, yeah of yeah. course uh, not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's something I had to contend with as an actor. Um, that ultimately every show that I do because I do theater work gets broken down, forgotten, and maybe someone will maybe remember my name yeah. in a playbook, but ultimately, I will just become a feeling one day if I did my job well enough right. and they were listening. Right, right. Yeah. But all I can basically rely on is I do not control how people react to my life right now. I can't even control what my work and what my stuff becomes. I can just I, try I see and do good. Yeah, I say I think yeah. Christians would face that same difficulty. Mm-hmm. We would just have a different answer. Mm -hmm. And so, and and this might, this is off topic maybe, but I, w I think that in general, like on the question of meaning or hope, I, I tend to believe that, a, I mean, I, I think I have to believe this as a Christian, like apart from Christ, um, any meaning we construct is just, it's just that, it's our own construction. And we really Which know it. as well. We know yeah. that deep down. And so what, so at, so, but when I am in my own nihilistic moments, and that came up right at the end of the very, very end mm -hmm. of the. To say for the people listening what nihilism is. It's the belief that sort of nothing matters. It's you know and ultimate despair. Else um, who sang that? Metallica. Think oh yeah, right. Floyd. Okay. Metallica. <laughs> cool. I trust yeah. you. You yeah. look like a guy that listens to Metallica. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, I remember that now. <laughs> um, so yeah, I mean, like like nihilism has actual real temptation, you know. Um, and there are yeah. there is a thing called. You ever heard of optimistic nihilism? Oh no, <laughs> sounds yes. fascinating. Well, it's the whole idea. It sounds like a good band name. Let's get going on that. <laughs> oh, it's essentially um, the idea of like, oh yeah, nothing matters. Which we, whenever we think of nihilism, we think of. I think of the nihilists from The Big Lebowski. I was gonna say, man, yeah. hey, say whatever you want about Nazis. At least it's an ethos. Yeah. Anyway, no, we, uh, we, we are, we are controversial. We I don't. Nothing. I don't actually mean that. It's a. It's a quote from The Big Lebowski. Go ahead. <laughs> And, um, you know, it's these, you know, people that because there are no actual consequences, there is no afterlife. Well, I can do whatever I want. Mm -hmm. The other flip side is, wait a minute, life doesn't matter. No one's judging me. I can literally do anything I want, mm -hmm. which in, you know, the context of if there are people that feel oppressed by, you know, whatever systems. So it's like Epicureanism or something. Right? Uh, I, I, I ain't know that. <laughs> Sorry. So. I think I think I'm right. Like the, it's like you know when you think of Epicurus, you think of like food, right? Like Epicureans, yeah. or, or so it's kind of the it's pleasure it, seeking. It's like the Stoics that ate basically. Okay. There we they go. didn't they didn't deprive themselves. It was if nothing matters, then enjoy, eat, drink, and it's be like merry. The sort of out thing. of life, yeah. Um, Which there's you know the whole like uh, you know greed and you know uh, what's the word for eating a lot of food? Gluttony. Uh, gluttony. Mm -hmm. There we go. Mm -hmm. the, the I'm sins. well acquainted. I should know these sins by now. I do them all the time, yeah. but um, ultimately. <laughs> Oh, what were we just? Well, about? let me let me just say though that okay, so so nihilism plagues Christians too. So the question is, how do you build up from that? Like, how do you? I mean, how do you get out of despair? And what I would say is that, as as I mean, this is what I would say. Mm -hmm. I'd say, well, 
I think about whether or not, say, God really became flesh. You know, I, I think about the stories of Christianity, you know, death and resurrection. Did Jesus say these things? Is this person real? Um, anyway, and there's other, there's other things you could do there. But see, that, when you talk about like hope and like it being real, like for me, it's real. No, oh, same here. Because it's, it's rooted in the actions of God, not in the constructs of my own mind. But Sarah, maybe conclude thoughts on that or we, I know we I know we have a lot of other questions. Well, the so. thing is that's going to be your and my answer to a lot of these questions. So yep. I think we're going to come back on it. There's I thought about segueing to because of what Kurt was saying. There's a question on here that says and let's not spend too much time on this cuz it's really not about Christmas, but it kind of tickled me when I read it initially. It said if you died and found out that God doesn't exist, which I'm already like, well wait, how if you're okay. Yeah. Yeah. You would just if become you just worm air, food, right? So, yeah. Okay. If you died and found out that God doesn't exist, how would that affect you? Me personally, I would be sad. I would still be happy knowing that it made me a better person. And I when I read this question, I thought, well, first I giggled because I was like, Well, if there was no God and you yeah, died, then you wouldn't feel happy. anything. Yeah. You just you would not exist. So there would be no like, oh man, I was wrong, right? Um but then I thought it was interesting that the person gave their answer and said, I'd be sad. And I would be happy knowing it made me a better person. I don't know why they would care about being a better person if it's all just kind of meaningless. But that's kind of what we were talking about. I'd be about. ticked. I never smoked a joint. I right. never I never uh, tried heroin. Uh, I'm missing out, man. You know, uh, anyway. I mean, the total hedonism I left on the table. All in the name of virtue. Anyway. That's always the missing strand, the missing block in Pascal's wager of mm-hmm. like the whole, yes, of with, uh, you know, like if you. Oh, like 3%, 35, 75% of the time you're better off believing in God, right? Yeah. Okay. With that idea of like, if you believe in God and he does exist, yeah. then it's infinite gain. If you mm-hmm. don't believe in God and he does exist, infinite loss. And either way, if he doesn't exist, like, eh, you just live. Yeah. But. I think that eh, you just live is, uh, well, if there is only earth and that's all you got, well, that's a lot of, you know, from uh, a Every, lot of range from yeah, right. you know, being in, de- you know, destitute poverty right. and miserable all the right. time or just being happy, living, right. enjoying all the greatness that earth has to give you, which if, you know, you live, you believe in a type of God that puts really harsh restrictions on what you do to the point, you know, in the case of, you know, gay rights and whatnot, like, hey, you shouldn't, you know, be you. You shouldn't love who you want to love. Mm -hmm. Many people legitimately suffer because they think, oh, well, I'm going to put my bet on that eternal life at the very end that's going to give me the infinite reward. When in reality, you may be missing out on that thing that can give you at least not an infinite love and happiness and greatness, but at least something in this world something temporal. Mm -hmm. I would agree that Pascal's wager falls short if I thought of it the way that you think of it. But I, and I'm not going to get into the homosexuality thing only because we're trying to do the Christmas thing, but I'm sure we'll do podcasts in the future on that. But just to take it a little broader, for me, anytime that I've looked at, quote, the rules of Christianity, which I think sometimes non-Christians think that the rules of Christianity are different than what they really are. But um, I have found that when I... uh, live my life the way that I think Christ wants me to live it. And at first I think, oh, this is going to be such a downer. I find myself on the other side thinking, oh my gosh, this is so much better. Um, I've given this example to the girls in my small group, which stop me if I'm saying a word I shouldn't say on air, but you already said one of these words. Okay. If there's a moment where you're out on a date, first date, and you're really tempted to have a one night stand and things are hot and heavy, everything's going and you have a moment where you can make a decision. If you make the decision to not do that unwise thing, And the next morning you wake up in your own bed, no walk of shame, no fear of STDs or pregnancy or all the things. And you have that like relaxed, like, oh, I feel so good. In the moment, that did not seem like the good choice. It seemed like the stupid choice. And you probably walked away a little bit like frustrated, right? Mm -hmm. But in the grand scheme of things, you're so much happier. I think if you take that and run with it on every Well, there's a chance for that happier. There's also the chance of, you know. If you go into the, we can say sexual encounter. Yes, that's that. Well, you just said it. So. There we go. We can say that yeah. word. Yeah. Um, if you go into that, <laughs> it could become, you know, really awkward, doesn't go well, or just, you know, something bad happens. Or it could be not just some hedonistic, oh, well, it happened. It could be a genuine way of building a bond with another human being for a night. And yet that still exists, even if you don't do it. Oh. Like, I mean, I'm planning on having a lot of those nights in my future. I'm just not going to have them on the first date. Oh, of course. Yeah. And I think that'll actually make it better. But. 
we digress into hey, sexual talk, hey, which I, is so easy. I agree with you on yes. that one too. Okay. Seven one three five two six eight seven three seven. Now that we've uh, made it juicy, you might want to call in seven one three five two six eight seven three seven. Uh, I'm Evan McClanahan. I didn't say that earlier. Uh, I'm the pastor over at First Lutheran here in Houston. You can find us at flchouston.org. With me is Sarah Garmentstone. No. <laughs> I know you from Facebook that way, so Sarah Stone is fine. Sarah Stone. Yeah. All right, and and you're at MDP Memorial Drive Presbyterian Church. Yep. What's that website? Uh, MDPC.org. There you go. Yeah. All right, and Kurt Bilanance. Yeah, uh, Kurt Bilanos. Y'all, he's drunk. It's fine. This is Kurt Bilanoski. Thank you. <laughs> oh, good. I'm not the only one. That's oh, man. Okay. All right. Um, and where do people find you? Um, they find me all over the place. Right. I act around town sometimes. Cool. I go to bars. I go I, to bars. Is there I an go- improv group in Tonight Houston? Tonight you can find it. There are a couple of them, but yeah. oh, I could go on to why there's not a really thriving scene here, but okay. th- there's a couple here. In okay, there. cool. Yeah. All right. Okay. Well, I meant to do all that earlier. So, okay. Well, you're- Shall thanks- we get back to Christmas? Yes. Thanks for listening to, to Theology on Air here at KPFT. Call in if you want still. 713-526-8737 or find us on Facebook. We're live right now. Um- Let's see. I want to ask, can I ask some questions about the pagan stuff? That's literally I, what I was going to ask. Okay. Them. Okay. Yeah. So, so yeah, one of the questions is, should Christians avoid pagan ho- Christmas traditions like the Christmas tree? So maybe give a little background on some of the pagan traditions and ask if, I don't know, that should I be avoided. I think during the actual discussion, most of us once again agreed that, no, they're yeah. kind of intrinsically, at least culturally imbued into our idea of Christmas and to try and excise them because they're not purely about the reincarnation of Christ not into re. the world. Yeah, it's, it's the OG it's incarnation. Because yeah. um, ultimately... There's a cultural aspect of Christmas that you just can't avoid. So a Christmas tree is an evergreen, right? Mm-hmm. So the idea is that it's green year-round and that in the midst of winter, we still have hope. Okay, we yeah. can appropriate that. Mm-hmm. Big deal. I'm all about appropriating those things. Yeah. Now, the the question of Saturnalia mm-hmm. and that is a bigger question. I don't know if you could talk to that. I don't know much about that, actually. I don't know much about it, but it's not just Saturnalia. It's also the winter solstice. There's this okay. idea that um, you know, the longest night that we have in the calendar year. Well, right now we call winter solstice December 21st, I think. Um, It's where we have the most darkness. Mm -hmm. And so I think there's something really beautiful about talking about Christ, which we believe is the light of the world Mm -hmm. uh, coming into the darkest time. And that, you know, I mean, for our souls, right? That's dark. It's lonely. It's um, without hope. Or for the people that had been, you know, reading their Old Testament, they'd call the Torah, they were waiting with this eager expectation that someone was coming, someone was coming, someone was coming. Um, and then in the darkness, he came. And then there's all these verses in the Bible that talk about um, the light coming in the darkness. And uh, so I don't mind appropriating that one either. It's uh, it's quite beautiful, mm-hmm. I think. Mm-hmm. Which I know there's been a lot of um, you know talk out there that uh, the Christian holiday that we, as we celebrate it, is mostly related to, again, not just pagan holidays, but the actual day itself was more appropriated from other pagan holidays and whatnot. Uh, I don't read much scholarship on Christianity. Do we have any general idea on maybe an approximate time of his actual birth? I'm so glad you asked. Mm -hmm. I'm pulling up. I uh, have a friend who is an archaeologist, and I was asking him last night, do we have any actual, like, chronology of Jesus is born on this date? I don't think we have a date. But I do think there are several scholars that would place it in the winter. I know I've heard other people say, oh, it was the spring. It was April. That is specific. Um, well, because they say the shepherds were with the lambs for the Passover. Oh, interesting. So they were out, like, fattening up before the Passover. But I would imagine that there, you kind of have to have shepherds year-round. Uh, <laughs> and there there would always be shepherds around. But anyway. Um, there is a scholar named Harold Honer and another one named Jack Finnegan that both place the chronology of Jesus' birth in the winter. Um, so, I mean, there's some scholarship on this. I don't know more than just to be able to quote other people, but... Uh, I Pastor, mean, it's symbolically beautiful. What? Yeah. Pastor, can you help us out? Well, I, I, <laughs> I will say that there was an article that came out a few years ago that I reread because it came up again on my Facebook feed, thank, thankfully, um, which argues for the December 25th date and why that was chosen. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, there was an, a way of thinking in the ancient world that the, that the day that someone was conceived, not born, but conceived nine months before they were born, uh, was also the day that they died, some kind of cosmic circle of life thing is that from like the lion king circle of life anyway (laughs) um you know it's not a christian you don't find in the bible anything like that but it does but but actually one of the we can be pretty certain about when jesus died so i've always heard may march 27th 
30, or April 1st, 33. So March 25th is pretty close. Um, and it's possible that maybe the calendar was two days off for, for whatever reason. Maybe no leap year. I don't know. But so the thinking was, uh, this is how they did the math. March 25th, day died, day was conceived, and then therefore December 25th, nine months later. So that's, they didn't just pick the number out of, that's how they mm-hmm. sort of arrived at that number. Okay. Now, I can't say that with 100% certainty, but that's that's what I've read. So, But I, I would say, again, you know, Christians don't celebrate Easter on any date. We celebrate it. There's a there's about a one-month range. I think it can be as early as March 25th or as late as April 22nd. It's on the lunar calendar, and it's Nissan 14 or what have you. It's like, you know, the it's the Passover. So when the Passover is appointed, you know, now the East and the West uh, might have different days of reckoning the Passover, so the Orthodox might be celebrating Easter a week or two after the West or before, but it's, it, that's not really the point, I guess. Is a, well, yeah, let yeah. me just go back to the, the spirit of this question, I think, comes back to this idea that, well, Christians just took all of this stuff from pagan roots, and now they call it their own. What's up with that? And first of all, no atheist that I know has any problem with that. They don't care. Yeah, um, I'm but, good. Okay, Kurt's good. So we have the final word. He's representing all atheists today. Mm -hmm, But here's the other thing. Um, Christians believe in this thing called common grace, which is that the grace of God falls on everybody. The rain falls on the just and the unjust, right? Rain was a good thing back then, good for crops. Good things fall on everybody, whether we believe whether or not. Um, And so I think in this case, the good things that have been, quote, appropriated, like trees and giving gifts and twinkly lights and songs and all of the stuff that makes this season so magical – comes from God. And that idea of magic is also what makes me be okay with Santa Claus, which we can get into or not. But I did think it was funny that on the panel, the atheists were the ones who were like, eh, I wouldn't do Santa Claus with my kids. And mm-hmm. I, as a Christian, was like, oh, we go hard on the Santa <laughs> thing. So anyway, I'm all for, as as long as the pagan traditions aren't pulling away from my theology, mm-hmm. then I have no problem saying they're a good gift. They're something that can be celebrated. There's that whole, like, C.S. Lewis quote, too, where he talks, I mean, he studied myth, right? So mm-hmm. he talks about how, well, the the, the pagan myth is, in essence, an, an attempt to communicate, like, Christian truth, mm-hmm. uh, either before Christ or even after Christ. And so it all kind of points to Christ. There, uh, He said it, obviously. Well, better, he so. also talks about this idea of the deep magic, mm. which is... Um, you know, anything right now that seems magical. And I know that you would be on board with this if you're... Oh, I, I actually, I got to play Aslan at 80 <gasps> Players a while back. I was in a giant mech costume. It was great. I finally infiltrated. I played their god. Oh, my gosh. Yes. Are you sure you weren't playing the, the one from the last battle that pretends to be a... <laughs> Let me stop. Um, oh, Lewis jokes. Uh, but the idea is that anything that we feel like like brings that sense of magic out of us, that it's pointing to something real that is so much mm. more real and deeper, this deep magic, which I just love that idea. And I think at Christmas, it's one of those kind of thin places that we can access that just a little bit more. Um, I love Christmas, if that's mm. not already obvious. I'm kind of curious. What do you think helps you access that, or I guess ha- helps everybody access access that a little bit more? Uh, I can only answer for myself. I feel very spiritually soft at Christmas time, and it's because what we talked about earlier, this idea of the incarnation. If I believe that humans were a hot mess, and I am included in that. And then if I think about this idea that the king of the universe, the creator of the universe, who owes us nothing, decides from the dawn of time to rescue us by then enduring so much pain, right? Coming, being human sucks. So, I mean, he had to endure uh, rejection, temptation, um, brokenness, rudeness, pain, so much pain. He all the pain. He did get to drink a lot of good wine, I He would did assume. drink the best wine, say. I would yeah. say. Yeah. yeah. They saved the best for last, which <laughs> normally they waited until they were drunk and then drunk. You know, the, true. The, 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 the crappy stuff or whatever. There's a but. lot of really rich symbolism in that wine. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Anyway. Yeah. And out of reverence for that story, I'm going to go have some wine tonight. There you go. Uh, but no, I'll, yeah. t- tying into that, though, I mean, one of the questions that came up at the panel and is worth talking about still to this day. Yeah. To this day, two two days later. Um, if God exists, then why are so many people suffering this holiday season? It's it's, it's a big topic. We said then, you know, we can't mm-hmm. cover the whole issue of. Um, by the way, I have a quote to read. Can I do that real fast? Mm-hmm. Sure. It comes from uh, Ted Wright, uh, whoever that is. Uh, the he, he's a an archaeologist and and scholar, so he's he's listening in on Facebook. He says this. It's a quote from Lewis. Uh, the heart of Christianity is a myth that is also a fact. The old myth of the dying God 
without ceasing to be myth, comes down from the heaven of legend and imagination to the earth of history. It happens at a particular date, in a particular place, followed by definable historical consequences. There you go. There you go. Okay. Um, but suffering. So, I, I mean, you know, there, there's the broad problem of suffering, but, you know, when you think about, um, maybe, maybe I'd put it like this. If, if God exists and Christianity is true, then, then, then where is all the, where is, where is the good news? Why, why is there still suffering? Um, forget the holiday season. Why is there, you know, why is there suffering at all? But I would add, I would ask another question, which is what has God done about it? So I don't know if you might provide an answer, but, and actually I want to come back to something you said the other night on Tuesday, but. If I don't have an answer, then I probably don't have a job. So (laughs) I have a fifty cent quote I can give you. Joy wouldn't feel so good. Fifty cent. Joy wouldn't. uh, Fifty cent. You mean the rapper, or it's worth fifty cents? No. Oh, okay. I I mean, this is a pretty good because there's like two cents of advice. Okay, go ahead. Joy wouldn't feel so good if it wasn't for pain. Death got to be easy because life is hard. It'll leave you physically, mentally, and emotionally scarred. Hey. Okay. Let's just end there. That's great. Okay. <laughs> Was that a mic drop? You got to throw that microphone on the floor now. Okay. Oh, no. That's yeah. a they will not mic like me for that. Yeah. It might be worth Take a few bucks. All right. Cool. Okay. Uh, so the question is, what's he doing about it? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, I was starting to say this earlier. Uh, he entered into it. So we were talking about myth earlier. And a, the best myth, I think, always goes back to mimic the original myth and true story of God coming into the world to defeat all of the pain and suffering and death, right? Christians believe that death is a consequence of all of the middle finger we gave to God, right? Um, to defeat that, you have to crawl into the belly of the beast and die and then defeat it by coming back to life. And I think that's what God did. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's the point of this is why Christmas is just so much more than about baby Jesus being born. It's about the entire story the beginning of the entire story of the rescue, the rescue mission. But the rescue mission takes part in kind of two waves, right? The first wave is defeating death and then bringing this hope and this promise that we can live in. Um, there's a really cool illustration. You might have heard this in the Alpha videos where they talk about um, World War II, the day that the beaches of Normandy, when they uh, stormed the beaches of Normandy, was really definitively when World War II was won. Mm-hmm. Um, and yet, there was still time between then and when prisoners were set free. And we are living in something mm. like that now. The The war has been ended, right? Jesus has come and said, nope, I'm defeating death. And anyone who wants to follow me can follow me and have hope and promise, joy, peace. And yet the world still sucks. And it's still full of this pain. Not the same because we have hope. But there is a day. The word Advent means waiting with expectation. We wait and there's a second advent coming. Or I, mean, I guess the word advent actually means coming. Um, and the second advent is when Christ will come back and for once and for all make everything right. No more pain. No more suffering. Everything is just. No more tears. I see your wheels turning. Tell me what you're thinking. Oh, man. Yeah. Um, there was another question that had got me thinking about this. Um, I think somebody – I'm going to read this question real quick. Uh, I was wearing a green shirt on yeah. uh, uh, a couple of nights ago, and it's a green shirt. Kurt, if you don't believe, who are you praying to? Who do you expect to answer your prayer? And what you just said made me think of you know, basically the way that in my interpretation of the pantheistic God – how could Jesus come back? Mm-hmm. And in my head, um, what? okay, so I do pray on the occasion, not too terribly often. And uh, have you ever heard of the concept of tulpas? No. A, a tul- is it like a tulip? Uh, well, oh, go could, ahead. It no, could look like a tulip, yeah. yeah. Um, oh, tulpas are these um, kind of quasi-imaginary figures that can take on their own personality in someone's brain. Uh, mystics have used them as almost literal imaginary um figures made real um in modern psychology it's more of there's a voice inside your head that can kind of take on its own personality which i've personally experienced many times i don't attribute that to anything outside of myself other than sometimes i have thoughts that come to my mind that i don't necessarily control and sometimes they have a different voice than my current voice that i think i sound like Hmm. but in terms of jesus coming back with you know me switching it around as a pantheist i can think 
if I genuinely believe in Jesus and I have my concept of what Jesus sounds like, just to me personally, because who knows what he actually sounded like. He probably didn't speak very good English from my knowledge, <laughs> uh, nor do I apparently. But um, <laughs> ultimately, I can hear what he would want to tell me because I've heard many of the lessons that, you know, have been pretty much taken straight from Jesus in the Bible and told me day in and day out, day in, if I am a Christian. And if I'm in that moment of doubt, and if I'm genuinely, you know, clearing my mind and really have faith that there is going to be God speaking to me right then, that for me, a tulpa can pop up and say, please have faith. There is hope or something along those lines. And in that specific way, Jesus can literally come back and does so on a day-to-day basis in the physical world. Hmm. Well, I know 100% different from the conception that, yeah. you know, many Christians have. So I know that's, it's 100% blasphemy. Please don't burn me. I'm not getting burned, right? <laughs> I, I I left my matches at home. So you're good. Okay, I'm good. Yeah. I'm a the blowtorch is in my trunk, though. We're using matches? <laughs> yeah. No. I guess my question for you would be, mm. uh, it sounds like everything you just described happens in within Kurt. It's your mind doing that. It may be a different part of your mind, right? It, ego, superego, or maybe it's some sort of like conscious, unconscious. Um, And yet it's all Kurt. There's Mm -hmm. nothing, there's no external being doing it. Would you say? Oh, I, well, we could, (laughs) we could go a little bit further into this one. But ultimately, I think, you know, I as, you know, an individual, you know, being the, you know, body that is described as Kurt is not only a part of the larger universe. I am literally the universe experiencing itself, just as you are, just as cats are. That's why cats are so amazing. They are the universe. (laughs) Wow. But uh, ultimately... It's not just the you know thoughts that I'm personally thinking of that I'm imagining on my own. It's all of the influences that I've taken, whether it's books I've read, people I've mm-hmm. heard from, or just the literal experiences that have taught me this is what life is, and here it is. Mm-hmm. And I'm just kind of a vessel for those experiences to kind of manifest themselves in my brain. But those are all material things, right? Yes, They're they all... are all material things. Yeah. Absolutely. I, that is something I do very much believe that there is only this, the material, material. world. Material. Yeah. I am very much a material girl. <laughs> down inside. I'm an immaterial. Wait, that makes me sound like I don't matter. <laughs> um, and that's where we probably disconnect. Yes. Um, because I think when that still small voice comes into your mind, I mean, sure, sometimes I can think something and it's just Sarah, but I do think there is the possibility that God can speak to us and it's external. It's apart from us. Um, and outside of nature, it's supernatural. That's Mm -hmm. where that word comes from. Any, we're digressing. I know. Yeah. Um, Merry Christmas, y'all. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I think if nihilism is, is really kind of an enemy though, that. I don't. I, I, it's hard for me to imagine materialism providing a, an answer that yeah. I would find satisfactory. Uh, an, an answer to to nihilism, uh, because I, because all I really see in the material world, I mean, if I really pay attention, is decay. Like I like like death is the only ultimate. decay. If I really Have pay you ever attention, been to a good concert. Oh, <laughs> uh, I don't go to concerts. Oh yeah. man, see, well, there too much. You, you got to get out. Too now. much secondhand pot smoke and stuff like that. You know. You said huh. you Again, wanted to smoke pot. Exactly. Well, that's true. That's your At that point, hey, I didn't do anything. I didn't inhale. Right. It's all good. Yeah. Right. Right. I just <laughs> I just absorbed it uh, passively. Though with with the whole nihilism thing, actually, uh, my personal antidote to that because I have suffered through deep nihilism, the bad kind of nihilism, mm-hmm. is the feeling that if nothing does matter, then yes, I can do literally anything I want. Which means, you know, if there's any constraints I have in my mm-hmm. mind of I'm too weak to do something or I'm too stupid to. But you don't. Anymore. But you don't do anything you want. Like huh? when you're really mad at someone, you don't kill them. Like even though no, well, might I, your because mind. I don't want to kill them. Because yeah. one, there's the outside actual you know consequences of killing people. Generally, that's going to lead to a bad. Okay, thing. so let me ask you this because some people would say this about unbelievers or mm. atheists or whatever. Oh well, you just don't want to be accountable to God. And if you say in an abstract, I can do whatever I want. I'm paraphrasing. Mm. That might feed into that. I mean, uh, I mean, sometimes people view Christianity it's like you were saying earlier as like a big stop sign to the life that people really want to live. I would I would agree with Sarah that actually it's a path to the life you really want to live. Mm-hmm. A better uh, life than you even thought was possible to right, live. Right. Right. But I mean like I mean not to delve into your personal life. Oh but, no, absolutely. But you know you you wouldn't say that nihilism or materialism is an excuse to do anything you want because there would be certain you know boundaries to that, right? Like it couldn't harm other people or you know you couldn't use other people or well, I think without getting way too deep into, yeah. I guess, the problem of evil and, you know, the idea of, you know, moral it, morality, is it relative, is it subjective, you know, all that kind of stuff. Um, I think people do that. Uh, they kind of 
pick their own morality regardless of their religious beliefs, mm-hmm. atheist or theist, all the time. Um, you know, like uh, with me personally, if I think about, you know, like do I want to do something that can maybe hurt somebody else, or even if that's that's what I want to do in the core of my being, I'm not thinking about, you know, some grander, you know, is this the right thing or the wrong thing, you know, in you know concrete terms. I'm thinking. Um, I don't like hurting people because I like one people to like me and it makes me feel good uh, mm-hmm. wherever that comes from. There's mm-hmm. that whole idea and that uh, whenever I make somebody happy, it's going to make me feel good. And ultimately, I know what I can have a good guess as to what things are going to cause a positive reaction from somebody else. Killing them, generally speaking, will not. Yeah. <laughs> but um, I think the major difference between, I guess, my version of you know being able to do, quote unquote, what I want is sometimes within in uh, not just religions, but just, you know, cultures, there are things that seem taboo for some reason. There's this experiment they did with monkeys once. It was great, where they had a bunch of monkeys uh, in a room, and there was a, I think, a grape or a banana at the top of the staircase. And every time they tried to go up the staircase, they would spray water at them or, like, give them a little shock, something that just didn't make them feel very good. And ultimately, the monkeys eventually learned, don't go up the staircase because you're going to cause something bad for Mm -hmm. everybody. And so every time, well, they eventually would start taking out one monkey and replacing it with a new monkey that had never experienced that. So that new monkey would see the grape and say, oh, i got to go get that Mm -hmm. grape. And the other monkeys would say, no, don't do it. Uh, And they would pull him downwards just Mm. to protect themselves. And eventually they kept rotating out all the monkeys until there were no original monkeys that had actually been shocked or watered on, whatever it was. And then they turned the thing off and said, well, the monkeys are now free to go do whatever they want. So they can get mm. the thing and there will be no negative consequences. But none of the monkeys did because they all knew I'm not supposed to go up there. Right. Mm. Yeah. Interesting. So and, monkeys are smarter than most people is what you're saying. Uh, yeah, sometimes, yes. Yeah. Let me go through a couple of questions yeah. quickly. Yeah, yeah. Because we, right, eight, eight, yeah. we got about seven minutes. Um, quickly, if God isn't real, who made Santa's reindeer fly? <laughs> okay, just thought mm. I'd say that. Um, let me say this, though, um, because the question of gifts came up and the superficiality, yeah. commercialization of Christmas, and one thing that wasn't said Tuesday. Um, oh, were you going to talk about the wise men? Did the wise men throw the first baby shower? Now, there is debate about when the wise men appeared. They would have shown up months later. Or years. Yeah, the, the manger scene wasn't, although it, they did go to Bethlehem. So that's, that's the one, th- that's, I think, the reason that the manger scene ends up with all the people there at once. Uh, because they did go to Bethlehem. And so I'm not sure in that he was born in Bethlehem because of the census. And I don't know that they would have stayed there for, for years, but I don't know. Maybe they, I don't, I just don't know how that worked. But that said, um, the, and, and we talked about the gift giving tradition, like mm-hmm. St. Nicholas put coins mm-hmm. and shoes and, and chocolate. chocolate and yeah. things of that nature. And in general, you know, gift giving is what you do when you, you know, you revel and you want to be around other people and celebrate, celebrate life. Yeah. yeah. But I do think that clearly this does go back to the wise men or the the magi, and it does. There weren't. There may have not been three magi either. Yeah, there's just three gifts. Three gifts. Yeah. yeah. Uh, uh. But anyway, I just thought I'd throw that out. But any thought on them? You, you're happy when I mentioned the magi? Just because we didn't the other night, and I've studied them, and I think they're cool and mystical. And if you really dig into the magi, they make Christians nervous because they were into some like kind of astrology-ish mm-hmm. things mm-hmm. of the day. Wait, wait. They weren't Christians. Well, no, they were no Eastern. one then was a Christian. Yeah, that wasn't right, a thing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but um, have you ever heard the theory that they come from Daniel? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Because that's where else the in the Old Testament, in the Greek Old Testament, the Septuagint, the only other time the Magoios or the the Greek word there, it's with Daniel mm-hmm. because Nebuchadnezzar had Magi. Mm-hmm. And the theory, it's a theory, is that Daniel essentially trained his people because he interpreted things rightly. Yeah. And Nebuchadnezzar ultimately is sort of converted and he allows the rebuilding of the second temple and he's kind You're of a hero. So much. I know. Um, and, but the, the school of Magi, that's how it ought to be thought of, I think, is a continual school from Daniel's period on. The difference was that instead of wrongly seeing the stars and getting Nebuchadnezzar's dreams or whatever wrong, um, now they had Old Testament prophecy. And I just don't think that the Bible provides all of the content for um, all of the scriptures they were, you know, that Daniel had taught them. That's mm-hmm. my own theory about the Magi. Well, so. one thing that I think people, there are all these like funny memes going around right now, which I actually crack up about that Mary is like, thanks for the gold. <laughs> In, I mean, the inset frankincense and myrrh, like just what I need, you know. Obviously, no baby wants those. And it's not, 
the those gifts symbolize something mm-hmm. and i think uh are even more of a compelling factor for us to be good and thoughtful gift givers um because each of those i mean gold right just take one for instance has to do with majesty and kingship it's an acknowledgement that jesus this tiny mm-hmm. baby is king king of everything which yep. is just unheard of right um so there's like all this deep symbolic beauty to those things um but yeah i think the gift of i mean the art of gift giving goes way back to then and we can celebrate it now mm-hmm. and i think it's made even better with i like without the excesses you know not getting into that whenever people just say i want to give something back even if it is like giving a really nice gift to a loved one or a family member mm-hmm. um it's not always based in am i gonna outdo last year am i gonna do something really cool make mm-hmm. them just love me because i gave them something it's often i really want to make that other person happy you want to bless them yeah you want to bless them and that can take the form of a nintendo switch or you know <laughs> that's a second been, time yeah you, you know I, I really want a nintendo switch okay I am not picking kidding. up if on anybody the... on if air i know you a, if i know you a little better i'd think about it but yeah <laughs> okay okay Okay. Yeah. So, well, man, it's what if game. he yeah. would become a Christian if you gave him a Nintendo Switch? Ooh. Ooh. Yeah. I'd have to stick. I would think about it. Like, is there uh, like a year-long trial period? Oh my gosh. Or... It's not Netflix. Ah. It's <laughs> six months. Okay, six months. Yeah, okay, six cool. months. Yeah. Okay. Normally, what we want to do on the show when we end the show is we want to ask what you sort of like most and le- like least about Christianity or the church. But we've done that with you before. And there's another question I'd rather uh, look yeah, at. And that. actually, so I want to ask you one question. I want to ask you a different question because I want you to repeat something you said the other night because I thought it was really cool. But so, Sarah, question for you then, which is what is the hardest part of the Christmas account for you to believe? The hardest part of the Christmas account. So I think a lot of people might answer that something like virgin birth. That's crazy. I buy miracles really easily. Like I just... I'm like, I'm already on the team of Jesus rose from the dead. So anything else is like, you know, way easier. I think for me, the hardest thing is I know when I search deep down inside me, what a pretty terrible person I could be at my worst moments. And so the thought that Jesus would come to rescue me is a hard sell. I know that sounds weird, but, um, and I think it's why I feel so soft at Christmas time, because I'm just so humbled by the fact that like, for me, um, because I know how, to use a bigger word, depraved I can be. Now, I mean, sometimes I'm nice, but um, you, that's You've the hardest part. You've always been part. nice to me. Oh, thanks. Yeah. It's well, working. I mean, yeah. My plan is working. Yeah. Well, I mean, like even in the cons. Um, have you ever read um, The Hiding Place by Corey Ten Boom? I know of it. I don't know if I've yeah. fully read the whole like, thing. Well, uh, a Nazi comes up to her afterwards and says, hey, I was one of the people that tortured you in the uh, the barracks. I'm now a Christian. Can you forgive me? I've, this is and, on like, the alphabet. Yeah, like, I'm, I'm pretty yeah. sure you're probably not as bad as a Nazi, I would assume, or somebody that tortured all those people. But even they can get forgiven. That yeah. That's heavy. That is heavy. But see, but if you remember that story, uh, Corey Ten Boom says, I couldn't forgive him. Mm-hmm. Yes. But I reached out my hand. Out of, I mean, it makes me cry. Because of God's forgiveness of me, I could extend that same thing. And that is oh, it's just so powerful. Mm. You guys, this season is so amazing mm. that God would step down from kingship, endure all this crap to save us, and then to take us home to live with him and be like him. And I mean, it's just, it's too much. And it's hard to swallow mm. um, in my moments of uh, low confidence. I don't mm-hmm. know if that's a good way of saying it, but yeah. Cool. That's it for me. Okay, we're almost out of time quickly. So um, at the end of the panel, um, I, I don't remember the question, but a Christian, one of the Christians said something that I would often often say, which is that Christians are sometimes the worst part about Christianity, <laughs> um, you know, because we're hypocrites and so on and so forth. And I believe you had a really interesting thing to say. The the question was, what is the most convincing argument you have for Christianity okay. as an atheist? Which for me, I see so many great people that aren't just quote unquote Christians. They use the Christian ideology, the teachings and the genuine faith and become better people against all odds. I've seen it happen with my mom who went through a tough battle with drugs and a lot of other stuff and it helps and for me to say like oh it's just a delusion you're talking to some sky fairy whatever it is that's clearly absurd because i see the tangible effects Mm. it has on a day-to-day basis that's why i go to these kinds of things it's why Mm -hmm. i go to alpha it's why i have you know very good friends in the church work at 80 players all that jazz love it that's a great answer well thank you very much uh sarah stone you can find her at mdpc.org memorial drive presbyterian church and kurt Bill and Bill, I can't Bill do it. Say, no, 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 Bill and Oski. Yes, Bill and Oski. Okay, I, I, I couldn't. I, I, I wilted I under the pressure. I love seeing people squirm. Yeah. 
Anyway, thank you very much uh, for uh, for joining us. You can find uh, find out more about Houston uh, on uh, Theology on Tap at, at Houston TOT. Uh, that's where we are on Twitter, hashtag Houston TOT, hashtag Theology on Air, or find us on Facebook. Uh, and uh, thanks very much for joining us. It's been our, our pleasure to have you with us. And we'll be back next week, I think. Maybe not. Maybe we'll take a few weeks off. Anyway, we'll be back after the new year for sure with lots of episodes And until then, we encourage you to question freely, think deeply, and disagree as needed. See ya.